What's gone down in the Big East so far? What chaos has ensued? What is there still to look forward to? T. Baker, Big East writer at The Next, joins host Natalie Hoverin to discuss all things Big East and maybe even the WBL. Ogumba Wallet for the win! You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello and happy Friday. You are locked on to women's basketball. I'm Natalie Heverin and I'm a features writer and the Atlantic 10 beat reporter for the next. Thanks for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today, we'll be chatting all things Big East from what we've seen in the first two months of the season to what's ahead. We'll also check in on some of the questions T asked in their Big East preview back in October, and of course, touch on what they've been working on for our WBL project. Joining me today is T Baker, Big East reporter and WBL writer at The Next. So T, what has surprised you the most about the Big East so far in conference play? Hey, Natalie. So glad to join you today. I always enjoy listening to you on the pod. Um, so what has surprised me uh, so much um, this year, I think that um, I've been surprised by um, the way that St. John's um, was defeated early on by um, Seton Hall, just as I wrote that um, they can't lose. They went ahead and lost. So <laughs> what do I know? But um, there was uh, this game the other day where um, they were at uh, Walsh Gymnasium, a favorite place um, to visit of our fearless leader, Howard Magdell in Jersey. And, um, you know, I think St. John's going into that game was undefeated. They were 13-0 and and they had a, a really marquee resume win over Creighton um, earlier in the season. But it wasn't clear how they had been tested um, going into the the Big East Conference play. And, and I think some of their weaknesses were exposed against a really uh, scrappy Seton Hall team that had um, really balanced scoring, uh, double figure scoring for multiple players. And um, I think that ultimately that strength of Seton Hall took down St. John's. And, and I was surprised by that. I think um, we expected, I think, uh, St. John's to come out strong and really continue those winning ways in the conference play. And especially after Seton Hall kind of underperformed against UConn earlier in the month, um, or excuse me, in, in December, um, you know, it was a little surprising to see um, St. John's kind of go down so easily against Seton Hall early on in, in Big East play. Yeah. And, you know, we were chatting offline um, about, you know, some of the the results of this week being like, you know, this this might be a slightly different podcast than we were expecting when we uh, set out earlier in the week. Um, what are some of the most notable outcomes you've seen so far in conference play? Yeah, well, this has been a, a really wild week in Biggie's play. So in addition to um, Seton Hall really kind of body slamming St. John's um, in an unexpected fashion, a really huge upset um, Tuesday night, the same night as that Seton Hall win, was um, Providence defeating Creighton 79 um, to 75. Creighton um, 
is ranked number 25. Um, so it is the Friars' uh, first win over a ranked opponent since uh, 2013 and their first conference win of the season. So, you know, Providence improves to one and four, but beats a really good Creighton team. Um, and in a pretty um, surprising way on Creighton's home floor. Uh, Janae Crooms, um, who leads uh, Providence in scoring assists, rebounds, and field goal percentage, um, really showed out for the Friars. And, and she's a, a Rhode Island local. I've had the chance to see her play a lot in here uh, based in Providence. And, you know, Providence has underperformed, I would say, the past two years. But seeing them pull out that win in Creighton showed that the, the depth of the conference is really strong. And that um, on any given night, there's a challenge in the Big East. You know, Creighton was projected to be the number two seed in the Big East so far. And um, right now they're right around the middle at fifth place at three and three. And um, that's not exactly what we expected. So that that was a really big um, outcome that, that was unexpected. And then I would also say I mentioned it a little bit, but UConn um, really beat Seton Hall pretty handily, 98 to 73 in Hartford in December. Um, surprising that that wasn't a closer contest. Um, I think, you know, surprising as it is for um, UConn to to really beat a team, UConn can sometimes just suffocate teams with their talent. So it's not the most surprising thing, but Seton Hall is a really talented team. Um, so that outcome did surprise me as well as really kind of the top tier teams in the Big East and UConn really being dominant. But I expect their matchup on January 19th to be a bit more competitive and that'll be on Seton Hall's home turf. And uh, I look forward to that matchup. Yeah, I look forward to that as well. Uh, I remember watching Providence earlier this season against Rhode Island, a really good game that came down to the final minute. Um, but who has been your favorite player in the Big East to watch and why? You know, I got to go with with Maddie Segrist. Um, she is just elevated her game from last season, which is which is hard to even believe. Um, she's on track right now to beat Villanova's scoring record. Um, she the other day already set the free throw scoring record with 371 free throws made in her career. She's averaging 21, uh, 28.1 points per game. So she was last season's uh, Big East Player of the Year and this season's preseason Player of the Year. And she is just so consistent and efficient. Um, she seems to just kind of score with ease over opponents. And um, watching her play is like just watching the most dominant player on the court. So um, earlier this season, I got a chance to um, watch the um, Hall of Fame showcase at Mohegan Sun. And it was a chance to see her on a national stage against Iowa State. And Villanova, you know, had a dif disappointing performance at that game, but Maddie didn't. She put up 30 points um, in that loss, but it was a chance to show her talent to the nation. I think that um, she's not only a gifted player in the Big East and in my choice at this point for Big East Player of the Year, but a player to keep an eye on nationally and um, someone that even has potential on the next level. So um, anytime you get a chance to watch Maddie Seacrest, do it. Um, she's pretty unstoppable in in um the scout coaches kind of say, I don't know how to stop her. So just got to try to um, contain her the best they can. But she's probably my favorite player to watch uh, so far this season. And then have there been any teams that you expected more from that have underperformed in your opinion so far? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, when you come in with high expectations, um, sometimes you miss those expectations, right? Um, so Creighton came in with really sky high expectations. Um, this season, they've been ranked as high as um, number 13 in the AP poll. 
Um, right now they're number 25. So right on the, the margins of that AP poll. But after last season's run to the Elite Eight, um, they put themselves on that national map and really got the attention of, of the AP poll voters, obviously. Um, but right now, like I said, they're tied for sixth place in the Big East at three and three. Um, they lost to Providence. And what's really sticking out now is they have sharpshooters. They have a really... Um, efficient offense, but it's really dependent on three-point shooting in their perimeter offense. And they are lacking a post presence and that has hurt them. Um, that's really kind of coming up as a weakness for them. And, you know, like I said, they were projected to be the second team in the Big East behind UConn this season. And it is really surprising to see how they've started Big East play. Um, they had such a competitive non-conference schedule that really tested them. They didn't, they didn't leave it, you know, undefeated, but they um, had big wins uh, playing against the South Dakota teams earlier in this season on the road. And they really tested themselves, including a, a matchup against Stanford at Stanford. So I kind of expected them to come in and really be more dominant in Big East play than they are. And, and seeing them at three and three has been surprising and a bit of an underperformance from my perspective. And who are the most impactful newcomers you've seen so far this season? So one person that I'm going to shout out to as, as kind of someone who's Sticking out to me this week um, is the Big East Freshman of the Week. Um, she's from Marquette, Emily LaChapelle. Um, she was the Big East's top scoring freshman last week. Um, and I think what's what's sticks out for me when I think of impactful newcomers is the ability to make big plays against big competition. Um, so last week, she averaged nine points and four rebounds against Villanova and UConn. Um, and those are big competition, right? It's about the biggest competition you can get in the Big East. So um, she scored 11 points against the Huskies in just her second career start, um, scoring three three-pointers and getting five rebounds. So I'm really impressed with how she showed out against top competition, and I would keep an eye on her as a really impactful newcomer, um, not just for Marquette, but for the conference at large. Coming up next, we're going to get some updates on questions T asked in their Big East preview back in October and what to expect in the next two months of conference play. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, we know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all in one platform. Hiring the right team member using LinkedIn Jobs is a great way to get a head start on achieving your 2023 goals and beyond. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading com competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Before we get into questions you asked back in October, what player do you expect to impress or make a jump in conference play? Yeah, it's a good question. And, um, you know, someone that 
stuck out to me in the preseason. I remember uh, standing uh, at Madison Square Garden with with Seton Hall, um, Seton Hall's Lauren Park Lane, who who obviously is a bucket and, and a standout shooter. Um, but alongside Lauren Park Lane was teammate Sydney Cooks. Um, and Sydney Cooks is, is a transfer. She's played at Michigan State and Mississippi State. So got has some experience at, at big name schools before arriving to Seton Hall last season. Um, and she is a compliment to Lauren Park Lane in a way that I think goes a bit under the radar. She's averaging um, just under 17 points per game, grabbing seven rebounds a game. And, you know, I think at this point um, with Seton Hall, being really in that top tier, second place in the conference, I expect that she's going to continue to emerge um, and really complement Lauren Park Lane as the difference maker for that team. Um, those two just talked about how they spent the summer in Jersey putting in the work together and are really dedicated this season to making some noise in the Big East and making a postseason push. So I expect Sydney Cooks to um, really perform in conference play and put her name on the map uh, in the conference. And one thing that I hadn't realized before reading your preview was that Maddie Segrist had been playing some three-on-three. How have you been able to see the influence of that on her growing her game? Yeah, well, three-on-three is such a um, great emerging, you know, sport to watch and in a great opportunity for women's players to to expand how they get involved in the game. And, and um, our Isabel Rodriguez is really great at promoting the game and, and continuing to cover uh, 3x3. Um, and honestly, I've seen it in her efficiency. Um, Maddie Segris is an incredibly efficient player. And, and when I spoke with her in preseason, she shared with me that the thing that that three on three brings out is that you just have to think faster on your feet. It's a it's a shorter shot clock. You got 12 seconds to make decisions and um, also make really on your feet defensive players. So she's averaging her most points of any uh, season this season at 28 um, and made field goals. So she's efficiently scoring. Um, and sometimes her scoring is quiet, but it's constant, right? And so I think that three-on-three experience definitely elevated her game, her ability to score a lot of buckets in a short amount of time. And um, again, I think she's a really strong candidate to repeat as Big East Player of the Year. And somehow she elevated her game from last year. And I think that three-on-three experience really um, helped with that um, elevation of her game. And then you also asked, will Anissa Morrow sustain her dominance? Has she? I think she has. Um, you know, she is, if you haven't watched Anissa Morrow play, if you haven't heard her name, go to YouTube right now, Google her, look her up. Um, she is a force to be reckoned with, and she's only a sophomore. Um, and she is Maddie Segrist's competition for player of the year in the Big East. She's uh, averaging 26.1 points per game, 12.1 rebounds, so averaging a double-double. And she's sustained her dominance. I think um, it's it's been kind of lost in how DePaul has been playing this season. Uh, they're, they're struggling a bit at a 10 and six record, um, but they've had some big wins it includes a win over Maryland earlier in the season. Um, and so I think they're trying to find their consistency, but the one thing that has been consistent is Anissa Morrow's dominance since she stepped foot on DePaul's campus. And, you know, she's a local Chicago kid. I got a chance to talk to her last season and um, she's just really committed to, um, elevating her game in all ways. She can play on all parts of the floor and dominate. So um, I think she's sustaining her dominance and she's only getting better. She's a sophomore. So um, be on the lookout for her um, over the next two years and the remainder of this year. And also her sister who's joined the roster at DePaul. Um, so look out for the Moro sisters. 
We love a family storyline over here at the next. Um, <laughs> sure I'm sure you'll be discussing that if you haven't already with Jen Hatfield. Absolutely. Um, but has Seton Hall shown themselves to be an NCAA tournament team this season, or is the jury still out? Well, like I said, you know, they have to date um, performed well in conference play. They're in second place behind UConn. I think they have the really strong potential to be for some reason they haven't cracked the ap top 25 poll um when teams like marquette have um villanova has st john's have um but they defeated undefeated uh, st john's um i think that getting pummeled by yukon was not a great step in that direction but a lot of teams get pummeled by UConn. Sometimes they, their talent just wears you down. Um, but, you know, they have two wins against top competition in the conference, Marquette and St. John's. And I think that the upcoming games they have against Creighton and UConn this month will really be those tests against top competition to see, okay, are they really a, a tournament team? Um, I think that if, you know, the Big East is considered to be a five-bid conference and they're in the top five, they're absolutely going to make it in. And, um Last season, they made it all the way to the WNIT championship. And I think, as history tells us, um, performance in the WNIT championship usually translates to an NCAA bid the next season. So I expect to see them there. And, and I want uh, Lauren Park Lane um, to have the national stage that she deserves to showcase her talents. And then pivoting to UConn, which uh, I'm surprised we haven't <laughs> talked about already, is, is there many injuries? Uh, but in your preview, you were asking about Ayanna Patterson. Has she made the impact you expected to see out of her so far? And do you expect to see more of her with the rampant injuries that have hit UConn this season? Yeah, well, first to just address the injuries. I mean, it's just been one thing after another. You know, um, last night, Aaliyah Edwards injured her right foot. Um, we don't know the severity of it. Hopefully, it's just a tweak. Uh, Chris Daly, associate head coach, Chris Daly, um, said they've been trying sage and holy water to try to um, get the injuries out of, of the, the campus, but it, it's not working and, and players keep getting injured. So it just shows the resiliency of that team. Um, Gino has been out, um, you know, dealing with um, some family challenges and also um, illness. So Chris Daly stepped in in his absence and, and players have just been in and out, but I think it's given players like freshman eye on a Patterson more minutes than they might've expected. Um, you know, she's at, uh, 11 minutes a game. She's got about three points and, and three rebounds a game. So it's not, it's not huge minutes, but she's been able to hold down um, the court as a sub uh, for a, a UConn team that has a really short bench. Um, Aaliyah Edwards has really been dominant in her minutes. Uh, she's, she's putting up, I think all American numbers and Dorky Uhas now that she's back in the rotation, they've been kind of holding it down in the post, but they need breaks. They can't play the whole game. And, and Ayanna Patterson has come in and played really confidently and, and has put up some solid minutes off the bench. So I'm happy with what I've seen. And I think they're really developing her to be that next strong post player for the Huskies. And what are you expecting to see in the next couple of months in Big East play as conference play really ramps up? I mean, for the Big East, it, it already has, but there's still a lot of games left to play, uh, a lot of chaos that can ensue in the coming weeks. Yeah, well, I, I'm just expecting to see a dogfight, you know, and pun intended with the Huskies there. But, um, you know, it's not just UConn's conference. You know, I think UConn is, is on the top and um, 
but talking to coaches around the league, they're saying this is the deepest they've ever seen the conference. And in that competition for the top three spots uh, right now, those top three spots are held by UConn, um, Seton Hall and St. John's in that order. But Creighton and Villanova were projected two and three behind UConn preseason. And, and so the questions I'm looking at will, will they work their way into the top? How will things play out? Um, will we keep seeing upsets like Providence beating Creighton and, and how will um the rankings ultimately shake out who will be the top tier, mid tier and lower tier teams. And there's a lot of exciting basketball to come. Yeah. I'm excited to keep an eye on it. Uh, I'm also excited uh, for us to talk about the WBL uh, coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by bet online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. And yes, they even cover your women's basketball betting needs. I love that betonline.net offers these options for women's basketball, and it's a very big deal. You can currently bet on NCAA women's basketball future odds and get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. Betonline.net has it all. And if you love sports podcasts, which if you're listening today, you probably do, you can find those at betonline as well. Betonline.net is always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. From the WNBA and MLB to NFL, NBA, and NHL, BetOnline.net has got you covered for odds, lines, and games. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Something that we both love to chat about uh, and has Biggie's connection that not everyone may know about is the WBL. And that biggest connection is Doug Bruno, who coached the Chicago Hustle in between his stints at DePaul. Um, and one of the WBL players he coached, Lisa Thomas, is someone you spoke with. So tell me a little bit more about that conversation. Yeah, well, you know, definitely love spending time talking with you about uh, the WBL. And thanks for all the contributions you've uh, given to um, the next with with uh, covering the WBL and interviewing these legends of the game. Yeah, I mean, Lisa Thomas um Another legend of our game played in the WBL with the Chicago Hustle. Um, speaking with her was really interesting because she was a dual sport athlete. She was actually a junior tennis professional before she kind of pivoted to basketball. And it was interesting because um, earlier this season after um, UConn freshman Ice Brady went down with a season-ending injury, Gina Oriema said, um, part of the challenge that's happening with a lot of players getting injured recently is just year round playing the same sport and using the same muscles and, and the, the wear and tear that has on the body. So um, they're actually encouraging players to play more than one sport, to try different sports out and have different seasonal changes to kind of how they're using their body. So I thought of that when talking with Lisa Thomas, she played tennis and basketball and just kind of how it's healthy for athletes to try different sports in different seasons and not be so hyper-focused on one sport. Um, yeah. And I think it's interesting because when I wrote about uh, Karen Logan back in August of last year, she also played tennis. Um, as well as volleyball. But it's interesting to see how uh, these WBL players, that, that tennis connection keeps popping up. Yeah, and and I think part of the reason why, and, and um, Lisa gave some insight into this, is because both sports require um, really quick footwork. And that's what she mentioned. She said, I said, wow, those are really different sports, huh? And she said, well, not really, because it's about footwork. Um, you know, basketball is about establishing yourself in the paint, um, using your feet to get position. Um, and tennis is similar. You got to establish your feet, set your feet to get um, 
to set the ball. And so I think it was really interesting talking with her about that. And um, yeah, I think it's really interesting the um, the connection point um, in the work that I'm doing covering the Big East and the WBL is DePaul head coach Doug Bruno. And if you've ever spoken with Doug Bruno or seen him on the sidelines, you know that um, he is a man unafraid to express his emotions and share his passion for the game. So thinking about him coaching the Chicago Hustle alongside um, Legends of the Ball president Elizabeth Galloway McQuitter. And for those who don't know, Legends of the Ball is a nonprofit organization committed to really bringing to life the stories of WBL legends. So check them out. Um, but Elizabeth or Liz um, was teammates with Lisa and the Chicago Hustle. And so just getting to hear their stories is so important. And, and they both played for Coach Doug Bruno, who's now a coach um, also in Chicago for DePaul. And why is telling these historical stories so important to you? Well, thanks for asking that. I think it's really important to um, honor the history of our game so we learn the lessons that the history can tell us, right? Um, so often um, we forget who the founders of the women's game were and, and the significant um, the significant strife that they went through to just establish themselves as athletes. You know, um, pre-Title IX, women playing sports and women athletes weren't even a consideration. In, in post-Title IX, um, in those early years, there, there were fights for um, basic things to be equal. And so hearing the stories of how WBLers really were courageous in uh, establishing this first uh, professional league, really kind of having the audacity to do that at that time and, and really putting themselves out there and doing it for the love of the game, not getting paid, um, having travel conditions that today would be considered unacceptable, um, but setting the foundation so that it was easier for the next generation. And we need to honor that so we learn um, kind of where we were so that we we can have some inspiration for where we can go. Um, and what about you? What's exciting for you about covering the WBL? I, I love telling the stories. Um, my mom is younger than a, a little bit younger than a lot of those um, players that we've spoken with, but she's told me about, you know, being in middle school when her middle school got women's sports teams and like a girl sports teams and being on her school's first field hockey team in high school. So I grew up listening to those stories. So getting to be able to tell more of them because these are a lot of stories that aren't as out there as the current stories in part because how we tell stories has changed. Um, obviously there wasn't the internet in the, the 70s and 80s. Um, so I just really love hearing more of the stories like the ones that I grew up listening to and grew up being inspired by. So hopefully people coming up are inspired by uh, those stories as well. I agree, couldn't agree more. And thanks for all the, the work you do to tell those stories. Yeah, thank you for having me. And thank you for joining me today, T. Where can the people find you and your work? Well, certainly you can find my work on The Next. Um, we work really hard to cover women's basketball press, present and future, of course, um, past being the WBL. Um, and, you know, you can find my um, Twitter presence um, at, at MXTBaker, that's M-X-T-E-E-B-A-K-E-R. Um, and that's where I just kind of post my WNBA or NCAA hot takes and um, my work. So um, follow if you'd like and, and keep following my work on the next. Yes, I, I agree. He is a, a quality uh, Twitter follow. And uh, 
Thanks so much for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen today. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow to hear more from Hunter, M, and Joshua, who always teach me so much about all things relating to WNBA draft, WNBA draft prospects. Now, make your second listen, Game to Game NBA, every moment, every top performance, every result. Lockdown Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Lockdown can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Lockdown NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.